When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. (laughs) You could just look at her license. My special stripe. That looks amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. (laughs) It's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. This is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families as best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had comedian and impressionist Frank Caliendo. Next on The Best Of... I don't know if you know it's Frank, but Aretha Franklin is dying. I had heard she wasn't doing well. I didn't know that that was that. Like it's like imminent, yeah. yeah. Her death is imminent, and I adore her. Yeah. I love Aretha Franklin. Well, you can still love her. The great I thing know. is she's oh, right. uh, recording quite forever. a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Not at my house, they don't. they don't. Actually, I used to have friends over, like we'd have a party or whatever, and about half my 45s would go missing. I'm like, well, yeah, it's great. Nice friends. <laughs> 45s. We used to they play Beach Boys 45s. <laughs> Beach Boys 45 <laughs> Exactly. Some of the stuff we had, we had the my grandpa had stuff that we had listened to, like the Battle of Waterloo. Oh yeah, Waterloo. Homer and Jethro, man. Is that Homer? That was Homer and Jethro. What are you? Oh man, we're losing so many of your listeners right now. We that was what hee haw? Were they on hee haw? I don't know what they were on. I yeah, I just remember because they sung. The Beverly Hillbillies theme. I think it's great, by the way, that you guys have this uh, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we got, we got <laughs> Hillary. 
Hillary Jesus. Trump right there looking at you too. No, that I can't believe they made the move. They, they actually usually, made the move. They usually point Jesus at me because they think I need oh, him the most. I didn't, know, I didn't know that was Jesus. Oh, you actually thought that was Brandon? I actually thought it was Brandon. Brandon from Matthew. You a lot of people get Jesus. bobbleheads and stuff. <laughs> like you, you don't have Lewis Jesus. Lee in here somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah Lewis Lee's in here somewhere. He, Lewis Lee's all oh, over here. Here I am. We have a Louis Anderson bobblehead somewhere. He yeah, said it's a collector's it. item. No, my, my mother I remember, had one. Yeah, he gave one to her, and I think he gave one to the kids. I think we still have it somewhere. I mentioned it to him. I said, "We're." I was cleaning out a closet. I found your bobblehead. He said, "That's a collector's item." Yeah, that's not his, his mom right there saying that. My right? mother, honest to God, had about what fifty statues of angels. She's an ardent Roman Catholic. My mother was as Roman Catholic as they get, right? Yes. So she, she had, had like lot. 50 angel statues. She had a little altar, yeah, with angels. And the great part of it is she had Louis Anderson, who gave her a bobblehead, <laughs> and Tim Pawlenty, who gave her a bobblehead, a bobblehead. But because he was Republican, she would have never voted for him. She only voted Democrat. So she had his bobblehead, but she wouldn't vote for him. <laughs> well, see, she's nonpartisan that way. Yeah, she was really nonpartisan. There's no question about that. There's no getting around that. Frank Caliendo in studio, ladies and gentlemen. So you're at, you're at Acme, oh, man. Man, you're doing a lot of shit. Well, yeah, t- the shows tonight and tomorrow are sold out. And then next week, or two weeks from now, I'm coming back. Uh, and then the Tuesday night's already sold out. And then we put one final show on sale for the Monday. So Monday, the 27th. 7th, yeah. The 27th has like 100 tickets left. Yeah, maybe. So uh, Hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one's, uh, you got to get them if, now if you if you want. Mm-hmm. So Do I get to be Donald Rickles here? Yeah. Here's Frank Caliendo. I'm popular. <laughs> The thing of Don Rickles too. The thing about him, breathe out on the punchline too. I'm popular. (laughs) (laughs) You always knew that would uh, that would signify that that was the point for you to laugh. I I watched I watched that especially in like late night hosts. I don't see it as much anymore. But all the way even back to Jack Parr, um, Carson Letterman, they all had this tip. uh, Bill. uh, Bill Maher does it as well. Step forward and punchline. Well, it's yeah. a lot uh, formulaic on uh, that kind of thing now. They all have a very strict formula because they figured out the minimum amount of time between laughs, basically. Right. Well, it's a tell. I mean, too, like in poker, it would be a tell, yeah. but you, you want the tell in comedy because you're just... Leno would bobble the head he when it was time. Yeah. So it's just... It's interesting to watch those uh, things that people do. And then, Leno was actually, you know, good. That's the difference. <laughs> That's the difference. What's the difference? Hey, uh, what's your opinion, Andy? <laughs> I think Johnny Carson had the best delivery when it came to punchlines. You could tell when it was coming because he'd kind of turn his head back and forth. And oh, yeah. Have his hands well, in you, his pockets. You and... rooted for him to bomb. You wanted it to not go well. You'd, I'd rather see a Johnny Carson joke that didn't work and see him try and work his way out of it. Oh, mm-hmm. phenomenal. I don't see that. I don't see that in. I don't watch much late night TV, but it seems like all the jokes are designed to work. Now right. mm-hmm. and his, yeah, true. as much as they probably wanted them to work, I really didn't want them to. Just to see him, you know, do yeah. the, <laughs> yeah, do the chicken lot. head bob thing. <laughs> and do, you, do you do much late night television? I haven't done any for a while. I haven't anything to promote, and I don't really. I didn't really want to do any stand up. Right. So uh, but here you are doing it. Yeah. Well, I'm working. <laughs> see that I'm working on something completely new. Though, oh. like the, well. the the idea behind the show is to tell more stories. If I'm going to do an impression. It's going to be mostly the story about the person meeting the person, less right. observations okay. and more stuff about my family. So okay. I started to, I was worried about it at first too, because I, I, I've hidden behind these characters the whole time and made the observations. It's always been very logical stuff that I've thought about. And when you're trying to bury your soul, and then I was, it wasn't only really worried about telling the stuff. I was worried about my wife finding out the stuff I was talking about <laughs> and hearing, oh, you know, her. And then I, and I don't really look at Facebook much, but I, I eventually looked at her Facebook page and realized she's telling everybody everything anyway. She's, she's, she's telling her, she's telling stuff about. Turns out I'm a pretty big uh, jackass. Is what I am. I'm oh, finding this out. Gee, I wonder how if anybody else does that. I don't call you jackass. I looked I at her the other day, the and she got this crabby look on her face. And I said, "What's that? Your crabby look?" She goes, "No, it's your, it's my, your sad and pathetic look." <laughs> well, thank you. Thank yeah, you so I, I look to Facebook now to see what my wife is actually. Feeling. <laughs> she, doesn't, 
she doesn't talk to me. Go. She's realized I'm a waste of her time. I don't give her likes right. or comments. Right. I don't listen, any of that stuff. So she goes apparently right to Facebook and makes those. And I, I tell her, this is stuff I'm working on for the actor. I say, don't, please don't talk about me. Now, I don't care if you talk about me being an idiot or whatever, but don't tell people where I am or show pictures of where we are. Because yeah, yeah, I agree. I like to be able to lie and tell people. There's a lot of times where I just don't want people to know where I am because I told them, yeah, I can't be there because I have to be at this thing for my kids. Don't Mm. show them us at (laughs) a concert or something because now they know how much of a liar I am. But maybe you went there for your kids. Brought yeah, them along. Yeah, Maybe your kids are big fans of... The you know. opera? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Daddy, I want to see the opera. <laughs> yeah, I it's, did. It's, uh, you did? I love opera. Uh, but as a kid? Oh, yeah. I couldn't wait to see opera for my first time. Really? I Those voices, those magnificent voices, it was just... It, it was overwhelming. So me. you... That's interesting to me because... You're a dope, Tom. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> because as a kid... To, see... I didn't even have an appreciation for music until I got older. I know most people do, but to go hear music live is so different. It is yeah. than hearing it and to see people performing it live. The 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 synchronization of the instruments, the vocal, oh, and all that man. is you can't believe how much has to happen for it to sound that mm-hmm. good. It's true. When you listen to uh, you, you know to me growing up a, a CD, uh, it, it didn't see you know they were just like it was there. There. But yeah. to go see it happen, you're like, wow, this is truly amazing for this to be this good. And you realize how hard it is or oh, how yeah. talented somebody is to make it happen. So. Yeah, Catherine and I was sat in the 10th row and saw Pavarotti. Mm. It was unbelievable how strong his voice was. It was like, we should probably move to the back of the auditorium. Really? Oh, my God, what a voice. So I have to tell you, on Friday. Oh, this is, I, I got away from your tease. No, no. You could do whatever you wanted. Oh, you yeah. You me for what, like 30 years? now mm-hmm. you can do whatever right, you want right, yeah. about <laughs> on Friday I was in uh, Catherine and I were in Chicago Thursday Friday and Saturday because I was appearing in this uh, panel for radio morning radio people and your name came up and man people love oh yeah I mean it's true <laughs> <laughs> who were the people wait, that were talking gracious Tom Griswold from Bob and Tom oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah he loves you they oh. have me going out to it they want me to go I think I'm going to be able to do it there's a broadcasting association thing in uh, NAB, yeah. yeah in Orlando that's going on yeah, out there they, they said you were already coming so uh, well, I believe fine. I am I, I just <laughs> I, the, the reason that I, I didn't know if I was or not was because there are some TV stuff that I have that uh-huh. might happen so I just have to keep it open a little bit but yeah the plan is to go on out there yeah so it was Tom Griswold Steve Dahl from WLS in Chicago oh sure yeah Paul Castronovo from Miami yeah, you yeah. Know, Paul's an old friend oh yeah oh my god a fight almost broke out between Steve Dahl and Paul Castronovo <laughs> Because Castronovo, was, apparently he was on the Steve Dahl show, because we all go on each other's shows and whatever. There, there are only five guys in the country that have been on mornings for over 30 years. Really? And we were all there. Well, Brother Weeze wasn't there from Rochester. I don't know who Brother Weeze oh, is. Oh, you'd like him. He's crazier than hell, but you'd like him. <laughs> this is Rochester, guy, New York or Minnesota? New York. Okay. Uh, then the other guy was Lamont from Lamont and Tonelli in San Francisco. Sure, yeah, yeah. Great guys. Yeah. Every one of just nicest guys in the world. And your name Lamont. Came. Lamont still has, I don't know what his accent is. It's Canadian. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's a Canadian accent. Oh, okay. What a nice man. All of them, really nice people. Yeah. Right? So up there, and your name came up. Man, they just, they admire that. And Tom Griswold actually talked about what you just talked about now, that you're you're kind of turning into a different, what what you really want to do. Not that before you did. No, I didn't. I I don't think I did. It was really what I wanted to do. It was more of a puppet show type of thing, where I was going up there and putting on a show. Really good, though. But what I'm trying to do, you're right. Again, um, I'm glad I can compliment both of us on that. Exactly, absolutely. But what I'm trying to do is speak. I, I went to these acting classes. I started learning about acting, and all acting comes from trying to, to find truth and speak yeah. from truth. Yep. And a, some, most of my act comes from, I guess, truth, but observational truth, not from internal truth. And where am I coming from on it? So when I started doing that, I started to get really bored with my act and what I was doing with the impressions. 
and I was like, okay, can I find something to talk about that I care about in terms of those impressions and then find out what to talk about in my life? And the point of view I'm finding is, and and I'm still developing it, because once you find that point of view as a comic, you can talk from it and make a lot of stuff funny. I mean, how easy is it for Lewis Black to just make something funny? I mean, he can talk. I've always admired people who could just go out and take a normal everyday situation and then turn it into something on stage. I couldn't do that because people were just waiting for the impression thing to happen. Oh, you could do it, but they expected something else. I didn't know how to do it. I really didn't. Yeah, because a lot of my act is formulaic and I could come on and do, you know, I could come on and do the Charles Barkley stuff and just improvise from there. Kevin (laughs) smiling up a star. That's what I grew up on was the turducken and Charles Barkley. That's all I really care about. When you hear... But Barkley's Barkley's one of the people that I cite in this... I I might have talked to you about this before, but he... what, What he did, and I talk about this in my act as well, what Charles Barkley did was years ago as an NBA player went out and said, I am not a role model. And then he went out there and proved it constantly. <laughs> and it was that repetition of proving it over and over and over that built him to be Teflon in that situation. Mm-hmm. He could say basically what, because I believe this, I don't think he's an instigator. There are people out there, I think, that are yeah, instigators. Saying. He's not. He just says what he really believes and doesn't care what backlash you're going to give him. So another person I've learned that's that's like that too is, uh, I don't know if you ever watch him, but Jason Whitlock. And a lot of people hate Jason Whitlock. Why do they hate him? He's, uh, because he, he says a lot of things that uh, he's, he's, he's African-American and he will go against like the mainstream thinking of like he'll talk about kneeling uh, for the national anthem on the other side of it mm-hmm. uh, and people will come after him. And I've watched him with uh, some other people that were very adamantly pro kneeling in the national anthem. And they actually, they didn't fight. They just talked. And that's what I thought was great about Jason. And I like him and I like Colin Cowherd in their show. Uh, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, speak for yourself, right. but with but going back to Barkley, Barkley does this amazingly well. Um, and he went on TV uh, a few months ago. Golden State Warriors have a player named Draymond Green. Everybody hates Draymond Green. <laughs> Nobody really says that in the broadcasting world. Right. But Charles Barkley comes on truthful from what he's really thinking. Says, "I want to punch Draymond Green in the face," <laughs> <laughs> and that's even cleaning it up. I think I can say this. He's like, "I want to punch Draymond Green's ass in the face," which <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's anatomically possible <laughs> what, the, what the ass face punch right. is you know is that is that like the uh hell of an I've known some like is face. that like the crotch neck chop yeah. I, I don't know so uh can we but take it, a, a very, like a two minute break here and uh, come can, back and yeah we'll right after can i do this because i want to no, you're out i'm done no no go ahead <laughs> well i just want to finish because his apology what was what i really liked his apology was even better because you know they it made him great. apologize yeah. and he said something he could live with which is what made me love him even more he's like i apologize for draymond green for i apologize for recognizing draymond green has such a punchable face <laughs> it's not an apology that's a cheat code right that's up up down down left right left right ba start you got an extra lives phenomenal we'll be right back more with frank caliendo tonight and tomorrow night at acme sold out though yeah but then it's the it's the 27th and 28th at acme back here again back here. so yeah okay excellent but tuesday sold out yeah so only monday though yeah, the 27th. Okay, 27th. <laughs> 27th, there are some tickets. We'll be right back. More with Frank Caliendo right after this. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. What you want? Frank Caliendo on the best of. Coming up next, we had comedian Ben Roy in studio talking about all kinds of heavy topics, but they try and make it funny. As funny as they can. As palatable as they can. Next on the best of. It all depends what mood Cassie's in, what kind of music we get. You never know. What do you feel like killing someone? <laughs> no, this is Weezer, man. A Weezer. 
People are arguing with me. They're trying to say he doesn't say, I got my ass wide, but he does does say that. They say, you know, he says, I got my eyes wide. It's like, Uh, I don't think so. That I'm pretty sure. You know, I got my hash pipe. pipe. Yeah. 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 My hash pipe. Yeah. At one point, he He breaks the He says, I got my ass wide. You got your big cheese. So I'm (laughs) sorry. Oh, gross. Yeah. I'm just telling you. It's a what bad it says. visual. So yeah. romantic. Romantic <laughs> <laughs> show we got going here today, ladies and gentlemen. No it's definitely Valentine's Day in yeah, August today. That's yeah, the, that's the song we'll so play. Love is in the air. <laughs> so, so Ben and Mordal and I had a great conversation this morning. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that the only people that drink on that show are. John Lastman, who's a Jew, by the way. The only guy that show drinks is a Jew. Yeah. Well, how's that happen? Man of Shevitz. It's hard to let go. <laughs> <laughs> so you got John Lastman. Candace will drink a little oh, bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know something? <laughs> but Brittany doesn't drink. I don't drink. Mordahl doesn't drink. Bob Sansbury doesn't drink. Philip doesn't. I mean, he'll have a drink, but twice a year, so he doesn't really yeah. drink. What? That's, how do people do that? Almost That's everyone so on that list doesn't drink because they used to drink too much is the mm-hmm. thing. I yeah. don't know Almost what you're everyone on that about. list. <laughs> I don't know so, about Philip. Did Philip like no, Philip? No. But he still, so. he still drinks like a little. Yeah, but he's, he's also not, damaged. Let's he's not be a teetotaler. <laughs> uh, he's a very damaged soul. Yeah, I just I can point that out. Could you tell that this morning? No, he seemed fine. Who was that? Philip. Philip. Although I could only see him through glass, so I'm no, sure. No, actually, Philip wasn't there. Philip's not there on Friday. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay, so that wasn't the person that was in the booth on That's the other the side. That's the one who drinks. Oh, he does. Oh, you mean to, your, uh, to the left. So oh, it Moral was in the room, and then there was somebody through the glass on the left side. But he didn't say oh, much, no, he, he kept kind of quiet. No, he's the, he's the uh, audio engineer. Oh, okay, yeah. He, he was wasted. I mean, that guy was hammered. I don't know if he drinks or not. I have no idea if he drinks or not, but we're having a magnificent... How many of you drink in here? One, two, uh, three. A tiny bit. I mean, I don't drink, drink a lot. Yeah. Rarely. Yeah, yeah. and it, either one of you two drink all that much either. I, JB, I, you don't. I don't drink a ton, but like when I'm out at an event or something, that's where I cut loose. So it's like I can go two months without having a drink, but then I'll go do something and then I'll have like... Five Long Islands. <laughs> you weigh like 40 pounds. How can you drink that much? No, I don't throw up. Really? Five <laughs> Long Islands? Hot blood. Uh, yeah, Dave, just, Dave has explained my, my five stages of drunkenness, which are, and I'm a friendly drunk, so it's not like I'm getting See, myself another in. one of them. Yeah, I've never understood the that? anger when you drink things. Well, talk oh. to Ben and me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. I'll tell you yeah. all about it. I've got a friend, if she has a drink too much, all of a sudden she starts rummaging through her house to give you things. <laughs> what? I just love you so much. I want you to have See? this. It's uh, like, this is your mother's If antique. I could do that, <laughs> no, the house wonderful. would have been empty. <laughs> I would have had an empty home. Yeah, no, I took things from people's homes. <laughs> no. I was not a good human being, and uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I relate to that. Like, I I don't know why it comes out. It's just mm-hmm. a part of me that when I get drunk, I get I, I, I'm good, good, good. No longer That's anymore. How dad fun. is, yeah. yeah just, I don't think you know how dad is. Thank you. You've said it on the show like a hundred well, times. That's yeah, true. It's true. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah. It's, like a, it's like a switch, right? All yeah. of a sudden, it's just boom. It's weird. You're yeah. in a horrible mood. My wife used to say that she couldn't tell when it was coming. All of a sudden, she'd be like, you're in a great mood. You're in a great mood. We're all playing cards at the table. She's like, I'd look around, come back, and you're flipping me off. <laughs> and she would, And I'd be like, for what? What did you what, what, did, you what did you do? Uh, that's a drunk thing. What did you do? What did you do? And she's like, I, I didn't do anything. You were just all of a sudden mad. What, like did, I, what did you do to put me in my alcoholic you must rage? Have done <laughs> See, for me, for me, it was, uh, and I'd st- I'm still that way today, even though I don't drink. If after I've been drinking, if you humiliate or or are mean to me or anybody I know. Like, yep. even if you were there, because I know you, if yep. someone tried to humiliate you was mean to you, I'd go crazy. Really? Yeah, I, it's really weird that way. Uh, that's, did you see that a lot? 
there's so many stages to his drinking. It was just, I could tell by the look in his eye what was going to happen. Yeah. I, just, I would just skedaddle. Yeah. Just get out. Let's go. That's what, I, there was photos. My wife would be like, what's the matter with you? And I'd be like, what do you mean what's the matter with me? <laughs> like all of a sudden, just this hard scowl. And I'd be like, I'm fine. What's wrong with you? And she's like, you're just your whole thing yep. changed. Yeah. yeah. It's but, true. It's uh, like yeah, the brown possession. Browns give me the blues. <laughs> brown liquors give me the blues. Mm. Oh, I Don't can't drink even, that stuff. I could not even okay. drink whiskey. If I drank whiskey, I would kill someone. Oh, uh, yeah. I can't. Yeah, I could do uh, beer and wine, but whiskey, not a oh, chance. I love it. One drink, I'd talk a little bit more than normal. Two, a little bit more. The third one, I completely shut down. Yeah, really? Didn't talk mm-hmm. at all. I don't talk at all. Because he falls asleep. Well, I'm <laughs> not pointing that out. No, but I mean, what do you do? You know what you're like? Do My you limits, recall too? But I mean, mm-hmm. when you get that quiet, do you recall why you're like so quiet? I'm naturally that quiet to begin with, yeah. so I yeah. basically go back to normal. Oh, for some weird. Reason. I, I drank. I poured a drink that you said was going to get me completely smashed. And then I poured a second one, and I was still fine. So. You were hammered. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> I was aware of everything I was doing. I was what are you doing care. the long distance stare, Andy, for about no. thirty minutes? Here's I'm fine. Why, here's why we don't self determine <laughs> before we drive anymore. I'm like, I, was well, I didn't drive. I wish, no, no, I, I knew better than to drive. I wish I would have. I wish I would have recorded it. It would have been. I'm not drunk. He goes, I'm not drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, he's giggling. Well, he kind of did it at your house. That's true. Why you, he is kind he of did it at their house when we were at the, when we did the bonfire and you had those drinks. Mm-hmm. You were getting, you were, you, you were giggly. He was hammered. You were giggly. Are you a giggly <laughs> drunk? Like, you're I guess good so. He is. He gets very goofy. Hmm. Uh, well, that's kind of how I am normally, just not around people. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. His, that's his an interesting superpower. You know? uh-huh. I become Sammy Davis Jr. when I'm hey, really. Babe. I, I, <laughs> my, I do. I, you can tell when I'm Your getting drunk crossed? if I start squinting my one, my right eye. Oh, yeah. oh, I have an eye thing too. It starts doing something weird. I don't even know. I think it's closes. Know. <laughs> and I, I go from like balloon man. I'm constantly waving my arms around. Going, hey! You're like, like a like a car lot, like the inflatable <laughs> yeah. flailing tube. Man, yeah, exactly. People are highly entertained when I drink. <laughs> My eyes, one eye shuts, but usually it's because somebody punched it. Did you slug it out That's when you different. got done? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I, just not a good human being. Like, I wish I could find some redeeming. Like my wife and I have talked, and she's like, "There were good times," and I was like, "Yeah," but they were inevitably followed by a series of bad times. And usually, um, I. Is so I'm a pretty like nervous person. I think that's I'm just I have super high anxiety. What, what brought that on? Um, I, I'll solve your alcoholism. Welcome right to now. the family. How how deep do you guys want to go down the <laughs> rabbit hey, hole? Look, there's nobody hangs, has more anxiety than I do. Yeah, but uh, mine's very easily explained. My father and I never got along. Yeah, ever. Uh, I was the only kid that he used to beat on. Yeah. Seven kids in the family. He, he hit my sister once, but he used to beat on me all the time. Wow! And then uh, he was very—he was a brilliant man, but he was schizophrenic, and that's terrifying. Did they not diagnose it back then? I mean, you don't no, have to answer not this. really. No, no, they really didn't. No, they gave him shock treatment, which scared the hell out of him. It was after the age of there are demons in your humors, but before the <laughs> age. Of- <laughs> That's exactly Before it. the age of your brain is broken. No, so I think for me, that anger definitely is all toward my father. But yeah. I, I never, you know, I never, although I, I, as I told you, that thing with the priest in the hallway, that didn't go over to him. Yeah. Over, yeah. When I told that, right? Yeah. I, I was the same. I mean, I, I grew up in a Catholic home and I was assaulted by at a, at a Catholic summer camp when I was younger. And I, oh, man. I, and I told my parents about it. But my parents, this was in the 90s. My it like when I finally divulged it to them and they didn't you know, they didn't do anything about it. And that was just the time. Nobody knew how to react back then. Yeah. And I and I've come to grips like my parents are great people. They just you know, I mean you make mistakes as a parent and some of them cause things and i think you know if you were to look at me i'm definitely the black sheep in the family for sure. no yeah yeah but believe. i paid off 
You know what I mean? I got, I got, a, I went. It's a hard fought road, but I, yeah. I got. But, but I definitely. What's funny is I came out of it, and I don't dislike religion. I know a lot of um, yeah. comics and a lot of yeah. people who have experienced that that came out with a negative feeling towards faith and religion and whatnot. I don't have that. I see that as the actions of a person and and not, uh, you know, an ideology or anything or a belief system. I think. But definitely my thing when I would get drunk is that people aren't listening. You know, you're not hearing me. You know what I mean? Well, that's like, always yeah. annoying. Yeah. That's because they couldn't understand you. Or I'm quiet. I'm, nothing's you know. coming out of your mouth. Mid-burp, halfway through it. You, but, just, uh, you just reminded me of a horrible story. Thank you so much. Oh, I forgot all about it. You're welcome. That's what he's talking compliment. about, though. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a a girl that I went to school with because we were young. Then she was a girl, not a woman, and went through like five guys assaulted her. No. They raped her Damn. and assaulted. Oh, they raped her when she was, I think, sixteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she ended up killing herself. Yeah. And one of the reasons she killed herself was when she told her parents. They said, "Well, what did you do to bring it on?" Ugh. Can you imagine trying to deal with that? Yeah, yeah. Your own parents turn on you. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. That used to be the thought process and the yeah. way that uh, yeah. attorneys would get guys off of doing that stuff. Ugh. Yeah, it, it's a weird thing. You know, uh, we were talking about it, and I and I watched the documentary. You know, like in the '90s, there was no word for pedophilia. That really? there were, in the in the late eighties, the word pedophilia didn't come into modern lexicon until like the nineties. Yeah. And it was an interesting documentary about it. They just didn't really have a word. They didn't know what to say. It wasn't in the news like it is everywhere. There was no spotlight scandal. Yeah, people was none were of that. constantly worried about pedophiles every, yeah. around every corner. That's true. Yeah, and and so you just didn't think when you got kidnapped in people's minds, you were killed. It's like nine eleven. You know, I mean, when people talk about nine eleven, they think, well, if I had been on that plane, I wouldn't have. I would have stood. No, you wouldn't have. No, because you were taught not to do that prior to that time. No one talked about it. You know, and it was the same way. Like everybody thought, if somebody took a plane, you were being hijacked. And right, that was it. Now, if you stand up too quickly out of your seat, you're going to get the dogs. You know, what I mean, people <laughs> right. are going to beat the crap out of you. You know, but the the difference the difference was no one talked about it back then. And my parents will say that we just didn't know how to handle it. Right. You know, right. it's not and, like the terrorists were like, okay, everyone on this plane is going to die, so just sit down. You'll be yeah. Just don't interfere. Because as far as they knew, they were just being rerouted. Exactly. And it's the same type of thing. You were taught if that happened, you cooperated, and you'd be used as a bargaining tool, and that was everything Mm -hmm. you had been conditioned. And it's the same type of – no one could have ever thought you're going to fly – and it's the same thing. No one ever thought that dark into the story of, like, people abuse – that you knew it happened. It's been happening forever, but – it's a it's a weird thing. So my parents, but it is weird to have your parents not stand up for right, you, because right. it does create. I think I went through a period where I thought my father was weak, especially my like dad. Sure. So I sought out dudes I thought were tough to like hang out with, oh. and I grew up in Maine, which is super hyper masculine, and and so all the crab fishermen. Yeah, and like just it's a very rural area. Fighting and masculinity is everything. And if <laughs> you know, if people thought you were weak, right, then oh, yeah. they would attack that. And if anybody knew that this happened, they would attack. You know everything so i just hit it in and just became more and more angry and and i think as i got older now that i have a kid i mean i think that changes it drastically i don't think there's any question yeah Yeah. i I really wish that americans would pronounce the word correctly because we don't pronounce it correctly uh it's pedophile actually as in pediatrician pedophile oh is it really not pedophile like in pedestrian (laughs) oh i got some people a guy loves to walk yeah, I mean, a lover of walking. <laughs> no, there's a lot of words that are both in Greek and Latin, but yes. they don't mean the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, so it's like, totally like, like technically like pedialyte or pedia. Yeah, yeah, like right. A technically, the word homosexual combines Greek and Latin. Yeah, it so it should, would be homa or well, it what it technically means because if we take it as a Greek word, then it means uh, lover of people, which. I mean, I mean uh, in yeah. a way, but <laughs> but so they took the Latin that. Latin me. homo, which is man, and the Greek file, 
Oh. Dude, I mean, you must sexual. be a hoot when you're drunk. <laughs> Holy oh, God. yeah. He's, oh, yeah. Oh, this would be amazing yeah, if this comes out of you a lot more when you're drunk. Oh, this it does, be, too. It does. My mom we'll hears what she hears. We'll take a break. We'll be right back in two minutes more yeah. with Ben Roy. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Ben Roy on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the old vault. All the way back to episode 355 with Pat Proft. Talking about some of his bigger mistakes. Next on the best of. Pat Proft, our in-studio guest, and I was just going to say this, uh, that I was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we'll, we'll be back next week, but we didn't get back this week. I'm but not here case, next week, but that doesn't well, matter, I guess. Uh, well, I, we'll, we'll talk about okay, it. Okay, okay. You can come back anytime. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I didn't get a chance to watch the Golden Globes last night. I watched a bit. Uh, I understand that at some point during the Golden Globes, because I saw the video... P. Diddy tried to kiss Bono on the mouth. I did not see that. I don't know if you guys saw that video or not. Who hasn't tried to kiss Bono on the mouth? Okay. Bono recoiled in horror. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't let him do it. (laughs) Why? But I'm just here to tell you that if I were there, I would try to kiss Pat Proft on the mouth. See just how it would work. That's so sweet. And I would have let you. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's the difference between you and me and Bono and P. Diddy. It could have led to a whole evening. It's the only difference. This is the 21st century open your mind Don Shelby yes I want you to look for that video because I know you're really good at looking for videos P. Diddy trying to kiss Bono sorry Pat go ahead no no it's alright I I just I haven't watched a Golden Globe show in a or an Oscar for that matter in a long time are they are they still boring you got you got sick of winning was the problem who you of course I every year every year I was some kind, mostly the Thalberg Award. I've got over 500 yeah. Thalberg Awards. Thalberg Awards, absolutely. Yeah. That's the thing. I am oh. watching now the P. Diddy hugs. I'm, I'm uh, peeking with you. Kissy, okay. kissy. All right. It's, it's looped on YouTube. And so here comes the There's some smiles. Hey! Yes. And Bono, but hey! But he gets his mouth very close to P. Diddy's mouth, and he goes, wow! Wow! What have you been smoking? It looks like he's gone in for the kiss, and then Bono, wow! He also realizes this is not Kerry Washington. Well, it's, it's not like he doesn't want to kiss him. It's like he does smell something horrid coming out of P. Diddy's body. <laughs> It's why, horrible. Why would he do that? I mean, why, right. well, maybe it's related to him kissing men. <laughs> maybe he's been kissing men like a lot. Did, like, yeah. did you see the presentation last night? Because it was him and another rap guy up there giving an award away for some music in a movie, and Bono's song from the Mandela movie won, obviously, and they yeah. went up there and yeah, P Diddy was trying to kiss him, do that European thing that guys do, and. Bono's like, except the Irish. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, yeah. And man kissing other. a man in Ireland is a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, you can I do that in Italy, to... not in Ireland. That's right. There's no question. Do you have any any Italian friends that that you're that close to? Any of you? So no. many no, I, Italian I, friends. I have shown not anymore. <laughs> Hollywood friends who do that. Tino Lettieri, who was raised in Bari, Italy. When I see him, he will kiss me on the mouth. Ooh. I don't have any problem with it. Tino is the greatest guy in the world. And I, there's nothing that I, that I smell and recoil. Well, there's nothing. He's so far away from being someone you could worry about being homophobic. Oh, Tino? Yeah. There's oh, just there's nothing there. But in any case, it's a, it's part of the Italian culture, and it's like, it is what it is. 
So it's much like a Jew moving furniture. <laughs> That's the name story. <laughs> that should be inside of a truck. <laughs> Instead of two guys in a truck, two Jews and a truck. That worked. So you're moving. We'll make a deal. <laughs> we'll make a deal. It'll be fabulous. Pat, uh, uh-huh. how, where do we even start talking about what, what it is that you've done in your life? My God. Mm-hmm. No where do you begin? Boy, I don't know. 1960, 1960, Don, do 1965 in a radio voice. 1965. <laughs> <laughs> or we could do the Walter Winter way. And September 3rd, 1965. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was just watching some Ernie Kovacs clips the other day. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. And there's this great bit where he's, he's in his studio, he's, he's talking to us, and he's, he's, he's stepping over bodies that are all over the studio. <laughs> And he sits down and says, they never clean up after the untouchables. That's <laughs> how his show followed that, which I thought was great, a great line. Oh, what, what date do you need in uh, 1965? What, oh, what date? Uh, I, I wouldn't date. even know. I've graduated high school. Okay, so it would be June I'll give you the story, 3rd. and you and you, you No, you, you, June 3rd, because I'm, no, I'm going to do You Are There. Okay, okay. okay. All right. Perfect. All right. Okay. The date is June 3rd, 1960. <laughs> President Kennedy's been dead for two years now. But Pat mourns him. <laughs> but Pat still mourns him. I, you know, I, I, I just started right away. I went to the Brave New Workshop the day after I, uh, I graduated from high school. So I was what there. High school? Columbia, uh, Heights. Columbia Heights. Columbia Heights High School, Columbia the Highlanders. Uh, the all-white school then in Columbia Heights, Minnesota. I, you know, I didn't meet a black person until I was 19. Isn't really? that amazing? What was her name? That is amazing. I, I don't know. A guy's name was Peter Grigsby, in fact. He worked at the Brave New Workshop. Peter Grigsby. First time no. I ever talked to a, a black person. There is no black person named Peter Grigsby. <laughs> Peter Grigsby. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> Hello, Tom. It's Peter Grigsby. I'm over here at the NAACP. <laughs> I want you to know we're having fun. So I was scammed? <laughs> yes. Was he a Nigerian prince? He was not a Nigerian prince. It was a man in That's black what he face. Said. Because you had never met a black person. He said he's Italian and I kissed him on the lips. Guy, here comes Mr. Bones from the Mistral Show and you go, a black person. That's right. I was the interlocutor. He had his gigantic yellow bow tie on, didn't he? Yes, yeah. he did. That should have been the tip. And a tambourine. I had no idea. <laughs> so, John Alt, you know John? I don't know if you know. John Alt went to Columbia Heights. Yes, well. he did. Yes. One of the great uh, football players of all time, Johnny Alt. Great guy. He played for the, uh, the Chiefs, right? The Kansas City Chiefs. That's yeah, exactly yeah. You're right. He's Most a good guy. Oh, John's a great guy. No question. He and uh, Mike Morris, the guy I lift weights with uh, three times a week, are, they're very good friends. I think they actually they're in business together, if I remember correctly. At Milo or Marlo, whatever it's Milo, called. Milo, yeah. Yeah, Milo, yeah. How yeah. do you know about Milo? Because I know Mike. I, I, I went oh, there. Oh, that's right. Because I, that's, that's, that's I went who there gave co- you my phone number. Yeah, I went there a couple of times just, just to watch people do things. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't partake in anything. H- him and Burke once. Uh, oh, was, Burke. I, they put me in a truck. And they pushed me around the lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had that one. Uh, so how do, how do you know Mike Morris? From from the radio, from, from his uh, his morning show back oh, you, uh, way back when. You would go on. I would go on. Yeah, I would mess around there uh, in, in the mornings. Why did you not? Why did you stop messing around on our show? I don't know. It just it just kind of this things. I think I went away for a while. I think I made some movies or something. Yeah, and I, oh, I, yeah. you did. You, you had about a three year hiatus, didn't you? Yeah, I kind of I kind of yeah. messed around for a while, and then uh, yeah, that's that's what happened. Because you used to call in at I least know. once a week. It was wonderful. No, and all know. of a sudden you went away, and I was like, oh, Christ, another one. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. At any point now, this yeah. is you're you're on your honor now. Okay, please. At any point mm-hmm. during the period of time that you were not in contact with the KQ morning show. Okay. Did you hate Tom Bernard? No. <laughs> okay. Never. Okay. Did anyone get Gale to you? Gail Fan used to bug my ass. Did, did but no. Well, there you go. Mike's What's a friend. Mike, Mike a lot. And did Mike tell you, don't have anything to do with that asshole? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Well, All you're right. the only one then. No, I but, I but I did listen to the show. I must say that. Why so, didn't you call in? We had I so don't much fun. Know. It was just he, wonderful. I know. He didn't we, want to be an intrusive pest. I didn't we, want to. No. We did have, I will tell you this, and this is a true story. We had a guy for a while there that if I became friends with someone, he didn't want them on the show. It was bizarre. Wow. Like uh, an example, that would be Lou Nanny. I don't want Lou Nanny on the show. You know, the fact that you know famous people, I don't like that. I, I said, what? 
What? Did, what? Did he, the fact that I know famous people. Did Did he like? Just want you as a friend totally, and you can't have others? Is that I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh-huh. Did he ever That's scope rifle? <laughs> was he ever putting one together? <laughs> well, it's a possibility. Cleaning his scope as you're doing the show. So Pat Prof yeah. gets out of high school, writes about eight million movies that all did about billions of dollars, and the end. <laughs> nice that career. Good. That could be on the headstone. Yes, that <laughs> Reader's Digest. And now the Irving Fallbrook Award goes. <laughs> <laughs> so for like 65, 68, I have the workshop, and then Brave New Workshop, and then and then I'm thinking, hey, I'll, I'll go to Chan Acid and do some shows for a while because I'm tired of, you know, we, we, used to, we used to do nine shows a week and, and rehearse every day. So it was like, yes. I thought I'd have somebody else. I'll do somebody else's words for a while. And then mm-hmm. I – two years at Chan Essen, and I discovered I can't dance or sing. So that was pretty cool. After sure. two years? Yeah. No? I knew it, but I bluffed. I don't. I can bluff my way through so many things. Right, <laughs> you know, it's great. So then I – but then uh, I did stand-up for a while. I had I was in a comedy team with a guy named Tom Schroman in town. And, and then uh, some of the guys from the Brave New Workshop were going out to L.A. in 72 to do uh, a show – that I I jumped into and that show was closed opening night <laughs> in Beverly Hills. Okay. So I'm stuck in LA and the comedy store opens the next day, so I just kinda go over there and there's a guy I know there, Bo Capral, who is already you know performing there. Sure. So now now I'm I'm at the comedy store, which is and that kind of started everything going. It's People came down and wanted me to write for them or to be on shows and that uh, and and Smothers I, Brothers. Smothers Brothers came down and wanted me and then but then that's when uh, the Zucker Brothers and Jim Abrams came down oh, and God. and one of their guys actually dumped out. I can't believe that a man would be that dumb. Oh. Yeah, right before. So I I joined uh, Kentucky Fried Theater. I was there for a couple three years and then you know we fell in together making movies and stuff. So that's jeez. Uh, what were some of the movies you made, Pat? Because people- <laughs> may have heard of them. Well, you resurrected the career of one Leslie Nielsen. Oh, oh Leslie, well, yeah. Oh. Leslie. Uh, God yeah. rest his soul. Yes. Le- Leslie used to go out as Clarence Darrow. He bought the show. Right. And, and that's like, and, and he said, I said, they must laugh their brains out at you. And the, he said, yeah, they laugh like crazy in the beginning, but then they, they bought me as an actor after that point. But Leslie was great. And Le- yeah, his, his, uh, his career uh, turned... Uh, Wonderfully uh, for all of us, actually. Uh, it did. Uh, it, it, we did the, the television series with him, Police Squad, which became Naked Gun. Oh, great! I love. Yeah, I love that great show. show. Um, uh, and um, and that's and I, I with Neil Israel, who was a partner, we did Bachelor Party and we did uh, Police Academy. Police Academy. I know. We we did the first one, the good one. Yeah, as I always say, the good one. And uh, so that's yeah. And then Naked Gun movies and the Hot Shot movies and and uh, what else did I do? Scary movie. Scary movie. Three, four, five, and uh, a bunch of like Mr. Magoo, which we won't talk about. Movie yeah. violations, which yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll sweep under the rug. <laughs> they made money, but I don't want to hear about it. And uh, <laughs> I did like twenty movies, and I, I uh, yeah. So and, you know, I, and I just finished another one. I just finished another script yesterday with David Zucker, who I'm. Uh, I like David Zucker. I told yeah. you that that I talked to him about two months ago. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Just a great guy. Really good guy. He's easy to work with. He's funny, and it's you know it's always great to write with a guy who's going to direct it, and you know it's going to be done right. So that's I'm very pleased. The movie's title is Counterintelligence, uh, Justifiable Carnage. You're get, uh, <laughs> which is the title I love. Are you gonna have Kanye West in it? You know it would be great. I knew it. It would be great to have Kanye West in anything. That would be. You know my logo now should be. It should be end of the picture. Should be P Diddy trying to kiss. <laughs> Bono. Absolutely. End of every film. I have to tell you a, a very quick personal story because my mother, Toots, and Pat, you, should, you got, well, Pat, Don, you never met Toots either. No, I never did. Feel like uh, I know her, though. Feel oh, like God. she's the mirror equivalent of my mother. First of all, really? you talk like yeah. this. Honest to God. Tom, what are you doing? <laughs> like, okay, Mom. So my mother loved any Quinn Martin production. Yes. That's going back a ways for younger QM. people. QM. Yeah, right, the right. The QM, the Quinn Martin. At the, the end of everyone, this has been a Quinn Martin production. Yeah. So my mother loved Leslie Nielsen, and I can't remember what show it was, as a dramatic actor. Yeah. Very dramatic. Oh, a lot of it. She just loved him. And I remember she and I sat down to watch Police Squad, right? Mm. She watches it. 
turns to me and goes, well. <laughs> that was her, that was her favorite st- thing. Yeah, that was her stock <laughs> yeah. expression for everything. That is so great. That is great. I, we, uh, Police Squad was really very much. We, we were doing a QM uh, thing in our in our yeah. in our heads, and at the end we we did the you no know, we, we did the the freeze frame stuff, but it was a fake freeze frame where the actors would actually just just freeze, and all the action you know, was like they're pouring coffee and it just kept draining and you know, all that kind of stuff while they stood there. It was wonderful. But the QM if you. They were huge QM productions. Oh, My God, God. Yes. Absolutely. By the way, I do want to say very, very quickly, uh, just interject this. Thanks, Katie. I appreciate it uh, last night again. It's, it's always an honor. Kate Blanchett thanked me after she won her Golden Globe oh, last night. That's nice. I just, <laughs> it's so great. Uh, Don, do you even know about this? No, go ahead. One of the owners of Sony Classic Pictures' name is Tom Bernard. So I think Ang Lee was the first one to thank him at the Oscars like 10 years ago. But I, so I'm on the KQ morning show, and the next day after I get uh, hundreds and hundreds of emails and phone messages, Ang Lee thanked you last night. He said it all happened because of you. <laughs> <laughs> last night, Kate Blanchett goes, "I just want to thank Tom Bernard for all you've done for us. You're just an amazing man." And she's going on and on about Tom Bernard. <laughs> So everybody thinks it's me. I know. I watched that part. <laughs> oh, of it. you saw that? Yeah, part? and I like as soon as she said Tom Bernard, I'm like, what? <laughs> it happens every single year. Too. And then I, yeah, and then I remembered what year. you said, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so weird. He's B E R N A R D. But Katie Blanchett, hey, seriously, I'm, I I knew you could do it, Blue Jasmine. <laughs> I was sorry to hear about the latest Woody Allen uh, information that uh, what's his name, Ronan Farrow. What's that? Oh, yeah, that, uh, apparently about. there's a lot of evidence that Woody Allen touched up a seven-year-old girl back oh. in the day, and it was going to go to go to court. Wasn't that like well known? Yes, I guess it was. Well, yeah, I didn't it know Woody. it. I did, but apparently wow. uh, they 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 backed out because they didn't want the seven-year-old to testify against him wow. in court, and he just got away with it. Hmm. That's what this Ronan Farrow said last night because he won. What's the big award he won? The Cecil B. DeMille Award or something? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can check it out on, and I tell you what, just go to msn.com, and it's right there in the front page, Ronan Farrow going after Woody like there is no tomorrow. That's terrible. Ooh. So he's, he's a son of, of, uh, of uh, what's your face, Farrow? Is that what it is? There, this is the guy that, that Mia said. Mia, that's the name, yeah. Mia, <laughs> that Mia said, well, I think actually uh, Ronan's father is Frank Sinatra. Oh, that, okay. It's that right. kid. That wow. one. But he went after Woody today. Oh, well, actually, it was last night. But in any case, let's get back to you and Quinn Martin. I didn't touch anybody's seven. <laughs> no, 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 no. Eight. She was ten if she Eight. was a two. <laughs> <laughs> no, honest to God, it's just unbelievable in Hollywood. Uh, Pat, I talked to so many young, uh, well, not so young anymore actors, but a lot of guys, Corey Feldman, one of them, I just talked to Corey about two, three weeks ago. What was that like, may I ask you? It was. He's an interesting, really interesting guy. Yeah. But he is so open about the fact that he was basically raped by many, many guys in Hollywood. Hmm. Uh, just, oh, and you hear, there's a lot of that, man, a lot of stories now. But young guys that get uh, sexually abused by big shot Hollywood producers and Jeez. You know, that kind of stuff. Now, Luckily, by the people for the people. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Sad. Not my productions. No, not, no, no, no. I not go after women. <laughs> Only ten-year-old yeah, exactly. women for <laughs> Oh, think about what you're laughing at. But in any case, <laughs> moving forward. Yes. Uh, so all these. So you don't even know how many movies you've written. Uh, 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 I, I counting the ones that were not made into movies. Uh, um, and the ones I worked on that I didn't have my name on too. There's about twenty-two, yeah. I think. Twenty-two. How many? Mention one of them. What? The Star Wars Holiday Special. The worst thing ever. <laughs> Yo, Mr. Magoo. That was no. I, I, Mr. Magoo, Mr. Magoo is pretty stinky. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll tell you about Mr. Magoo, and I'll tell you about the Star Wars. <laughs> you thing. did Star Wars though. I did the Star Wars. Uh, what it was called? The t- TV. Okay, here's the deal. Oh my god. <laughs> I get a call. Me and my partner are going to write with George Lucas. George Lucas oh. wants nice me hair. and my partner. So you can't we, say no to that. We go into a room. We yeah. sit down. 
he is great. And he says, uh, he doesn't deal in, he deals in time. Okay, here's what I need. I need two minutes, I need ten, I need five. And he doesn't tell us why, but we're saying, okay, cool. But he's talking about, so we, we, it's the first time that the, the Wookiees are going to be used. And he mm-hmm. said, think of the stormtroopers as Nazis, and we're going crazy. That's it's great. So then we write a script, hand it in, and a month later, I, I, I find out that a a bunch of people who write the Carabinet music is now involved in this thing. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, and I'm going, this is going to be different, I bet. Yeah. So then we have this big party at my house, and I'm sitting there to watch this thing, because I didn't <laughs> I didn't see it filmed. And then uh, What's-Her-Face Maude is singing. You know what I mean? It's like uh, Art Carney singing. Everybody's <laughs> singing in this thing. And it's the worst crap I've – and it's two hours long. It's the worst crap I've ever seen. Nothing I have is in there, but there's my name. Yes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just – you know, it wasn't written by, you know, Another asshole pants. who gave you this is by <laughs> that kind of feeling. You know what I mean? So I'm – and, 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 and at this part, and people are looking at me like, you did this to Star Wars? Oh. George must be dying. And I, I don't know why George Lucas didn't stop this or why oh. he didn't. You know, I, I went to one. I went to Warner Brothers where they where they were going to film. I was there for one day on a lot. Uh, they were going to film the, the, the bar scene with all these weird, you know, great characters that are in the Star Wars. So I brought my kid. I said, look, Pat, you're going to love this. They're going to so we go into the room. And the idiot director didn't put oxygen in their masks, and people are just dying. They're falling over. Oh, <laughs> and paramedics are rushing in and ripping off their things to save lives. And my kid is like dumbstruck. What's going on here? It was terrible. It was dreadful. And every year I get asked about this thing. And Andy, Thank you, Andy. And every year. Oh, Your name is no, actually no. first. I, under I the want that... Please, oh, to say, I, I can't that. say that enough that I did not do. I didn't Wait a do, minute. And I don't Mr. think Pat heard you, Andy. And Mr. Magoo is the same thing. We wrote a script, Tom Sherwin and I, that I really liked. And then all of a sudden, we heard that some director in Hong Kong is going to make this oh, <laughs> movie. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, don't do this. And, and, oh, I, and, I don't think this funny. Uh, it's. it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> Long time not good. So, uh, uh, so I, I am, yeah, he fixed it really good. So the, th- the thing is then, I, I, I went to the premiere. I thought, oh, I walked out. I walked out within oh. eight minutes. You of walk out of your own show. That's my, nice. My own premiere. Yeah. I got up, and I'm in the front row, and I'm walking out. I'm saying, this is like, in eight minutes, I know, this is this is a disaster. <laughs> and there's the name, Asshole Pat Prop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the same guy who gave me goddamn Star Wars. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's what I, that's what it's there. It was Was terrible. that in parentheses, the same asshole who gave you Star Wars? AKA. Oh, man. You know, if, if that year of, you know, ugh, it was dreadful. It was terrible. So you're telling me you didn't write the part where there's ten minutes of Chewie's family talking with no subtitles? Can you believe that? that? Just making Wookiee noises? You don't? I don't understand how how could they screw up Star Wars at its height? How can George Lucas not say this is killing my franchise? Well, he said it after. Did he find if if that helps? Well, it's like it's so. Every oh, I think Bruce Valanche. Was involved in his oh, Bruce, Bruce Valanche. Bruce, absolutely. Bruce is now his job is he does all the uh, Oscar uh, dialogue. I think right. he does that stuff. Right. So, but but I think he was involved. My partner at the time, Lenny Rips, was involved, and, and I was involved, and it was like such a thrill to be. You know, hmm. I I have no idea what they were thinking. And your no, material Andy, wasn't in it at all. Nothing, nothing, zip, nothing, nothing. When we you had, look at the, the list Lucas of writers, story wasn't even in it. It's yeah, so crazy. Yeah. When you look when you look at the list of writers, Andy, whose name is first on there? That would be Pat. Oh, yeah, okay. probably right. Yeah, there's wow. there's uh, five writers listed here. Five. And you are Thank first. you. <laughs> and you're first. Yep. And who, who are the other writers? Played Lenny Rips, Bruce Valanche, and who else? Who are the other two? Rod Warren and Mitzi Welch. Those are the two assholes. <laughs> and I know Rod Warren. Rod is a great guy. That's it. Mitzi Welch. Mitzi is it was the one who 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 uh, wrote lyrics for all the Carol Burnett show and also gave you the Mama's World or whatever oh, that thing ish. was. I hate what well, Bo Capril and I got hired to do the last eight shows of Carol Burnett uh, one year, and 
it just wasn't right for us. I just knew this wasn't going to work out. <laughs> all these people have been there for like, you know, 18 years, and the thing is pretty set, and it's all, you know, all right. So after the first read-through, uh, Bo and I are making all these cuts in the script. And we're like in this room, like, you know, making scripts. And then we're just thinking, this doesn't work. This is really – and it's all a, a mama sketch, you know. I said, this is 25 pages. This is an awful lot. And we're cutting, and they're just looking at us. And they're it just melted us down. <laughs> we just couldn't – we just didn't fit there in, in that environment. And Missy was one of the people who, who wrote that stuff. How often do you get called as a script doctor? Where a movie has already been paid for, yeah. and been produced, been written, but it hasn't been made yet. I'm sorry, I said produced. It was not produced. No, they've cast. They've I, they've gone down the road, and they and they look at the script and they go, "This is a piece of shit." Yeah, Call Pat. How many times does that happen? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Get me that asshole who gave us the other one. I, I uh, yeah, you know, about three, four. T- I had I had deals at at 20th Century Fox, and and they would bring me things all the time to look at. Uh, I can't remember anything that they gave me, but. But there was things I would look at. Oh, there was a Schwarzenegger movie once, which I said, this is terrible. <laughs> I remember saying that. Terminator. But, uh, no, it was something else. No, I it was but, but anything the, else. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, and I brought, I've been brought into the movie didn't go well. Can you write a whole new scene for us? You know, oh. Two or three, that kind of stuff. I've, I've done I've done that in my own movies. We we. I've never really previewed one of our films where the ending didn't work and then never worked. <laughs> so we, we have to go in to make a new ending or something like that. Which is, I do have to point out that uh, Bo Capral cannot help himself to this day. Uh, <laughs> we're talking. Uh, we're on the phone with someone from uh, from Hubbard Broadcasting, mm-hmm. talking about some. Well, you know about that. I, we yeah, haven't really talked about it much deal. publicly. Yeah, it's okay. but we're just talking to the to the people over at Hubbard Broadcasting about this, that, or the other thing. It's a very serious conversation. Bo can't help himself. He said, would you do me a favor uh, and ask Rob to give me a call? And she goes, Rob Hubbard? And he goes, no, Rob Reiner. <laughs> so you left on a good note. Yes, good. Yes, absolutely. But he just can't help himself. I, I was in a movie once. A movie. I was I was in a pitch session once with, uh, with a partner, and, and uh, we pitched a movie. The guy looked at us like we're crazy, and he said, I, I just don't see this working. And my partner stood up and said, gentlemen <laughs> – I see lines around the block. Nope. So, I know. I'm going, holy shit. Well. Oh, and he said, gentlemen, I don't. That's what he said. He said gentlemen, I don't. That was the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Don't break out the parental pups and cheese curds just yet, because these clips taste even better, not on a stick, but in the best of the Tom Bernard podcast, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Frank Caliendo, Ben Roy, and Pat Proft. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. I'm a soul.